another hope-filled message from Life. For more information about our church, visit lifeau.org. What a special day. What a great opportunity. Uh, I think Mother's Day should be every day in that sense that we always value the ones we love. We always value those who go over and above. And it's an absolute pleasure and a joy to be able to share the stage with this wonder woman in my life. And uh, she's absolutely amazing, and I just uh, think you're incredible. And so, um, so today we get to share it together, which I'm really excited about. And we're going to share uh, just from, from our mums, uh, things that we've learned over the years and things that we've admired. And, uh, and I really pray that uh, for everyone in this room, obviously not just women, but uh, everybody, is, there's going to be attributes to this that really helps us uh, think in, in regards to how we live out our lives. Man, what are some things that we can expand in? What are some things we can grow in? And... Uh, Come on, uh, uh, seriously, uh, you kind of, if people say evolution was real, then I wonder why mums don't have like eight or nine arms, you know, like if it was, if it was really real, then they'd need that for what they do and uh, you're just amazing. But we've got a couple of, couple of great mum jokes or yes. things, eh, to start off, which I think is cool. Um, <laughs> uh, this kid, someone asked, uh, why are computers, computers so smart? Uh, the mum replied, uh, it listens to the motherboard. So true. All wisdom comes from mums. Here's, a, here's another good one. A daughter said to her mum, Mum, what's it like to have the greatest daughter in the world? The mum replied, I don't know, dear. You'd have to ask your grandma. It's like, it was a clever, clever response. I can actually see Hope asking you that. Like. Yeah, and I can see myself definitely responding like that, for sure. I also can see that. And, uh, I, uh, I could ask his dad, uh, what is a man? And the dad says, a man is someone who is responsible, someone who cares, and they look after their family. And the kid says, wow, I hope one day I can be a man just like mum. (laughs) (laughs) So true. Uh, And then another one here, the last one we found was uh, um, Mother's Day. uh, Sorry, a kid wrote, happy Mother's Day to someone who spoils me and then complains about how spoiled I am. (laughs) Was Which is totally our family as well. Yeah. Like, you've got so much. It's like, who gives them all of that? Like, yeah. dang it, that's us. You can't like, help yourself. It's amazing because uh, obviously, you know, between males and females, there's different perspectives and different ways that we operate and, uh, and respond. And uh, I, I love how this one's put. It says, a little girl asked her mum, how did the human race appear? The mum answered, well, God made Adam and Eve and they had children and they were all, um, and so all mankind was made. Two days later, the girl asked her dad the same question. Dad answered, uh, well, many years ago, there were monkeys, which then evolved and became the human race. The confused little girl returned to her mum and said, mum, how is it possible that you told me the human race was created by God? And then dad said, it developed from monkeys. The mother answered, well, dear, it's very simple. I told you my side of the family. Your father's simply telling you his side of the family. <laughs> Dual approaches, dual perspectives, different ways of viewing things. And we've been looking at uh, paradoxes within the Bible, paradoxes of how God puts things that are actually very uh, counterculture to today. Counterculture, sometimes they are a natural response. And today we want to bounce off that and we want to look at uh, another amazing uh, paradox that there is in regards to God's kingdom and his perspective is this dynamic of to be the greatest, you need to be servant of all. 
And now you might not be uh, relatively uh, familiar with the church environment. You may have come with your family or just on your own. What a pleasure it is to have you with us. But I, we understand that, uh, you know, God has designed us incredibly. Like you don't have to look too far from your mirror to realize, man, what God has put together, what He has made is phenomenal. Like that just can't be by chance. It can't be by accident. But then we have to understand that we have a God whose ways are higher than our ways. Yeah. His thoughts are higher than our thoughts. Not only did He create us in His image, but there's still this dependency for us to live with Him and to be actually aligning our lives to how He constructs life rather than to what our natural response might be. And so I love how Isaiah says that. For my thoughts are higher than your thoughts and my ways are actually far beyond your ways. And I think anytime we're looking at our lives in comparison to the Bible in comparison to how God asks us to live, we must have a humble approach that actually acknowledges we don't get it all right, nor do we know everything, nor can we tell the end from the beginning, but how good to know that we have a God that does. And so he says in Matthew 5, uh, sorry, 25, 11, he says, He who is the greatest among you shall be your servant, and whoever exalts himself will be humbled. But he who humbles himself, or she who humbles herself, will be exalted. And this whole thought that greatness actually stems from a place of servanthood. In fact, if you think about the generations that have excelled, it's because a generation before them had a vulnerability and an approach to serve. Come on, we live in a free nation because there were generations of our extended families uh, who went before us and they laid down their lives in war so that we could have what we have. It came from a spirit, not so much just the action, but actually a spirit behind it. And you say, you know, a businesswoman once asked, well, in a Bible study, how do you tell if you have a servant attitude or a servant spirit? And they answered, uh, by the way, you react when you're treated like one, which is actually a really good thing. What do, you, what do we react? What do we like when we get treated like a servant? And in fact, when the, you look at the Hebrew and the Greek in regards to the context of this word servant, it actually more aligns with the word slave, that you would be a slave. Now, we don't like that word. We're trying to abolish slavery, and I think that's a good thing, and I'm 100% on board with you. But at the same time, God's actually saying, no, there's, there's, a, there's a principle, there's a reality of actually being a slave. See, a slave was somebody who didn't clock in and clock out. They weren't someone that went home and then built their own dreams on the side, but they're actually someone who was fully submitted and fully a part of that family and were there for 24-7 care and the availability to serve at any opportunity. And really, when we look at Mother's Day, what an incredible picture of a mum. So true. Right? Like, really? As a mum, you often feel like you are a living slave of... <laughs> well, that, that was put probably a little bit blunter than I thought, but uh, I really hope you don't feel like that all the time. But it's true. You know, you can feel like that. I'm there to do, you know, whatever my kids need, especially when they're very little. You are there to, um, to serve them, and there is no boundaries to it. There right. is no... It's night, evening. There is no off time. I remember... When I had Zion, um, that reality hitting for the first time, like, oh, my gosh, like, this is 24-7. I can't return him at any time. Like, he is mine forever. Yeah. And I remember feeling overwhelmed by that. Like, right. wow, like, this is, this is crazy. But God's actually designed us, especially as mums, to be graced for that capacity. Yes. And there is such rich reward in it. When we settle in it, there is such incredible reward in it and that is what I've found is just there is such power in it. And it just rings so true, you know, there is greatness in serving. Yeah. And it's about what we build in the middle of it and what we're able to bring out in people. You think about it, anybody that has done anything great in life, 
they were first loved and comforted and nurtured by a mum. Right. You know, someone that released them into their potential and loved them. And I love that. And I actually, um, I looked at some um, psychology studies about the power of love. And it's amazing. God has so wired us to be loved as humans. Yes. There's um, some studies that have been done from a Roman, um, uh, sorry, an orphanage in Romania during the time where the government was very oppressive and uh, it was a very dark time in the nation. And so in orphanages, there were all these babies that were just barely survived in this orphanage. They were given food and um, barely survived, so bare essentials and living, and they were hardly cuddled at all. And then the studies were done in the children as they got older of these babies. All of them had developmental issues, had mental and emotional needs that weren't filled because they were never loved and nurtured. And it's made even our brains are wired to know love. And how incredible that, especially as mums, and it's something that's on us as all women, is that we've got an incredible gifting to love, incredible way of nurturing others. And when we do that, it actually builds people. And how rewarding is that? It's not about just laying our lives down so we're walked over. No, we're building. You know, we're building something that is so significant. We're building people. And I love that about uh, what it means to to serve. And it was actually amazing. One of the scientists said, uh, when they studied the brains of these children that had been orphans, and it was like instead of a 100-watt light bulb, it was only a 40-watt light bulb in the brain. So amazing what love does on the inside of it. And I think, you know, there's no one better that can love like a mum. Like even Jesus had a soft spot for his mum. Oh. He is there dying on the cross, like taking the weight of all the world upon him, about to go into hell for three days and take the keys of death And yet he takes a moment to say to John, who was with his mum, John, look after my mum. He is now your son. Jesus had such a soft spot for his mum. And I love that. There was something that was uh, so beautiful and vulnerable about that relationship. But what we wanted to do today was just take some time to look at some lessons that we have learned from our mums and from women in our lives and just lessons and look at how we can all learn from who they are and how they've been in our lives. So So good. I thought just in that before, before, I think it's an amazing thing to hear that. It's another thing to acknowledge your part in that. Like actually, if you're a mum here or you're in that opportunity where you're an auntie and you have the opportunity to nurture, just capture how amazing and how significant your role is. Because if we don't have the sight of actually how much that adds and how much that extends and grows somebody, then we actually neglect, neglect or water down the opportunities we get. And I thought, man, if, you could, if we could just get it, like that's actually what that's doing. It's, it's growing them, it's stretching them. And maybe just be have that intentionality even more. So, man, what can I do? And, and recently I've just been a coach. And, and I, I remember one of the parents just saying, man, all of us know of a coach that encouraged us when we were 10, 11, 12, and it spoke so much into our lives. And I just thought, man, all of us have environments and opportunities, come on, that we could nurture, that we can encourage, that we could bring it out in others, because that's honestly what we've been gifted. Then that's gifted as well, which is cool. But and there's something so special on women to do it as well. I know totally. even the relationship with our kids, especially yeah. with our son Ezekiel as he grows up. You know, Easy will be crying or being upset about something, and I go to him straight away. I'm like, baby, I'm here for you. Oh and he just gosh. cuddles into my shoulder. He's I'm just like, the most lovely little and boy. He's fine. And Craig's like, he, just. He only fell down three stairs. He's all right. Like, 
And Craig's like, you know, there's something about a guy that's like, you know, harden up a bit. Like, buddy, you got this. Like, but as a mum, you just cannot tolerate that. So there is something very special as mm. mums as well. Just yeah. throwing you under the bus there, babe. Nothing but. like him getting over it, only then to be like, don't worry, mum's coming. And the waterworks to start all <laughs> up again. That's so true. He totally It's, it's literally like he then cuddles into you and then he looks back at me like, <laughs> sucker. And then he goes back to you like, oh, like. It's so true, oh. he does. And I can't help myself. I love it. Craig's like, you're fostering bad behavior. I'm like, I get cuddles. It's worth it. <laughs> That's good. That's but good. the first thing we wanted to look That's at is that thing. there is reward in routine. Yeah. There is reward in a routine. Uh, I know as a mum, so much of our day can feel like it's just such routine. There's the endless washing to do. You know, there's the cleaning of the house. There's the dropping the kids at the school. And it can feel so mundane. Right. And it can often at times feel very um, unseen. And like, does this really count? Does this really matter? And I've had to be very intentional about making sure that I saw the reward in the routine. That it wasn't just uh, doing it because there was nobody else to do it, but that God actually called me to that role and there was actually greatness in it. And I know like cooking for me has been one of the things I've never enjoyed. Never. Nope. <clears throat> And when we, before kids, it was quite a dual role. Oh, yeah. actually, you would cook most of the time because you're a good cook. You're amazing. No, you can say all the time. Yeah. That's right. You are. No, I'm joking. Well, we, he, he's a lot us, stronger cook than I am. Well, for us, we've always had a dual approach to, to really most of, like, outworking different things in the home and all that kind of stuff. It's just like, hey, if it needs doing, let's do it. It's not been a, hey, that's your area, that's my totally. area. Unless it's vacuuming, washing, uh, the dishes <laughs> and... But jokes. Um, but no, but uh, yeah, definitely cooking was never something that, that you got excited about. Um, and, you know, we've had some great experiences over the years. You know, yeah. When you put a chicken in the oven and then about two and a half months later it nearly walked out. Um, <laughs> I forgot about it in the oven and that's how little I cooked because we came back three months later and it was almost like it walked out at that point. Totally. Yeah, something a, came out. It was, a living, out. It was, it was a living fungus, yes. That's an illustration of how much... I oh know, there's disgusted faces <laughs> in the crowd. Like, I just love you? it because there's disgust, but there's also people feeling, I'm not, I'm not so bad. Like, it's really encouraging. <laughs> this is great. Totally. I love, though, but no, it's like, the thing is, is that you've embraced it. You've embraced it because now you see the value of what it brings you know, to our family. And obviously having kids meant that you know, I was, I'm at work a bit more than you are and things like that. That you've just gone after it. And... Uh, we love all kinds of food, and I'm not fussy at all. Our kids are just into it. It uh, doesn't help having, you know, amazing uncle and aunties like, you know, Rita, who brings, like, gourmet food round. Sent from heaven. I know, yes. and then you're left like, oh, how are we ever <laughs> going to match this? Uh, you know, but, but it's amazing. But even on, Naz has got to the point where she's putting food on before we go to, goes to work, and it comes home, and it's already ready, which is just awesome. I'm so proud of myself. Yeah, and I walked into the house on, on Wednesday <laughs> night, and it was dark, and I walked actually from downstairs, and I, the aroma was unbelievable. It was like, man, it was just like dinner filled the house. It was incredible. And uh, we got up, and you were like, yeah, I put a crock pot on. I'm like, how amazing are you, babe? You're honestly killing it. And literally <laughs> killed like it. That. Philly killed it. It was left on high all day. <laughs> it was dry. <laughs> it was burned. The crock pot's still soaking so that we can use it again. <laughs> it's so true. It was like caked on at the bottom. Cake. It was like meant cake, to be, cake. Yeah, it was meant to be soup, but it yeah. all dried up. I was using a spoon to try and I ended up getting like a jackhammer. <laughs> Just trying to get them. It's really good. <laughs> and the kids were pumped because we got Uber Eats that night. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I have I've had to learn, even though disaster stories obviously still happen, I've had to learn that 
uh, to still embrace the cooking, even though I don't enjoy it. I love the fact that the kids love it. Like, yeah. Zahn, like, loves my roast chicken, and he loves my soup when I cook it right. And so I've had to learn to embrace it, because one day I want them to come home for my cooking. And um, thinking about the future, like, there's reward in this. Like, he'll want to come home with his girl one day because he loves his mama's chicken soup. So... Well, yeah. actually, actually, he told me the other day, because obviously he's pretty public about being Christian stuff, and his teacher said, well, do you, do you do, do things like say grace at dinner? And he says, no, I don't. I don't need to. My mum's a great cook. <laughs> so <laughs> he's just amazing. That was a great dad joke, but <laughs> yeah. it was awesome. <laughs> you know, just trying to build, build you up. It is your day. So. But it is about, it is finding the... Um, the reward in the middle of it, which I think is yeah. important for all of us. And I think it's important in every area of life. We've actually got to train our eye and train our ability to see the reward in things that seem very routine. Come on, I know as a teenager, I used to hate going to school. But now I look back and I think, Lord, could you take me back to school? Like, seriously, never do you have so much time with your peers. Never do you get to build such level of friendship. Never do you have so much free time. Never does anyone pick up more after you than that time in your life. Like, but we despise the season we're in. But actually, if we could see it for what it's worth, you know, like for some of us, like in work, we might have a job we don't quite enjoy. But do you look at the fact that it gets to put food on a table? Do you look at the fact that it gets a roof over your head? Does it look at the fact that you actually get to put your kids into education? Which many people around the world don't have that privilege. Yet we go, oh, I hate this job. You know, I filled batteries for acid, with acid for a, quite a long time as a job, and it was horrible being at this cold factory at around 4.35 a.m. Every, every morning, filling these batteries with acid, and uh, I, I, I used to hate it, but then I started to think, well, what's the joy in this? And I started to realize I had two guys I got to talk to about God and just be their friends every single day. It was amazing, and then also I knocked off at three, so I surfed most afternoons. It was off the chart, and I went from a place of despising it to actually going, this is a really cool opportunity. And we've got to have these times, come on, whether we're working or whether we're getting the opportunity to raise a family right now or we're looking for work, these are seasons that actually have reward in them if we would train our eye to not look at what we don't like but actually look at what we can do. And I love that about Paul. He's in prison, and you could say, what could come out of prison? Well, three books of the Bible which have championed the church and cheered Christians on because he didn't say, oh, look what I can't do. He said, well, what can I do? And because of that, all of a sudden, it's not just routine, but there's a reward. And when those rewards happen, they're actually further than you. They go to extend to others, which is pretty amazing. So cool. Um, and I think um, one of the most important uh, journeys I've had to, especially with having kids, is just learning to find joy in the journey, not the destination. So I'm wired to be about goals, to be very task-driven. And I've had to learn just to relax in that and to actually take moments and appreciate moments more and appreciate the journey that we're on and how in the journey it's about building in the journey, not about trying to reach a destination point and finding reward in that. And I remember going through a, a really hard time with Zion and Ezekiel as well and just feeling this sense of you feel like you're losing your life in a way because everything takes a back seat and you just got this little one in your home all the time, and I'm so not wired like that as well. But I had to, in those moments, just change my perspective. Like if your mindset is all about what you're losing, if your mindset is about what you're missing out on, then you lose that season that you're in. And so many mums that I talk to who are older look back and go, man, that was such a precious season of raising my kids. It was so, it was such a beautiful season that you'll never have back again. But when we're in it, we can so quickly want to be out of it. And I just think it's that appreciation of the journey that you're in and the season that you're in 
and just seeing the reward in that and not wanting to fast forward it too too quickly, but yeah, make the so most good. of it and allow God to use you in the middle of it. Very good. I actually love this quote. It's one of my favorite quotes from Robert Louis Stevenson. It says, don't judge each day by the harvest that you reap, but by the seeds that you sow. And I love that. You know, we're looking at just the massive harvest. We're looking at sowing those seeds and making sure so in every good. season we're sowing well. Yeah. So. Uh, We'll keep moving, but um, number two, we'd say is a uh, is someone who is extra mile minded, the extra mile minded. You know, uh, I I love the, the the story that Jesus puts together in Luke ten, and he's talking about uh, you know the fact that a man was stripped naked and beaten, and then from there, uh, you know, three people cross his path. One is a priest. Uh, you know, one is, and someone who's within the church environment who, who knows that, you know, that, well, they should really respond. Another person, a Levite, who also should have had the opportunity to respond and, and do what was, you know, biblically right and they knew better. Yet they walked to the other side and what would this mean for me? Yet you find a Samaritan and Samaritans would despise people. Yet a Samaritan comes along and then doesn't just see the person, but actually has compassion. Someone who's extra mild minded is someone who carries compassion, not pity at the core of who they are. Pity causes us to walk by. Compassion makes us stop. And I love that, you know, women, I love that, uh, you know, people filled with God's Spirit have a compassion to the lives that they live. And what I love about this uh, story that Jesus put together, it didn't just finish going hard. Then they bound up up the wounds, uh, you know, cleaned him up and put him somewhere in a hospital or a refuge where he could get cared for. But actually goes further and says, gave money for the care that was provided and said, if there be any more that's needed, I'll be back tomorrow to settle the bill. And I love that. It's extra mile-minded. It's, it's going that little bit further. It's going that extended reach, that extended arm that's going to have the care. Martin Luther King put it like this, or Junior put it like this. The first question which the priests and the Levite asked was, if I stop to help this man, what will happen to me? But the good Samaritan reversed the question. If I don't stop to help this man, what will happen to him? And I think it's important that we be extra mile-minded. Come on, in a day and age that's getting more and more self-centered, more and more about our precious time, our, our, me, my, my precious, you know, like all of that. Like seriously, you know, you value people who give time. Some of the most generous people are people who stop, people who have a conversation eye to eye, people who don't rush past but have time and they're often filled with compassion they're extra mile minded I know I think about my mum and that's what I love and admire about her the most you know she's from a, a town Thames it's a very small town but you walk through the community and everybody knows her because yeah. she's done something kind to somebody you know, she's a nurse and she's nursed somebody and she's done the extra mile she's stayed later to make sure that they're comfortable she's given a meal to somebody a family in need she drives up to Auckland, you know, three hours every week to look after the grandkids. Every time there's a project us kids is doing, her and dad are there wanting to help. It's just this overflow of who she is. And that's why I admire most about her is how much she gives and how much she is a servant of all. And there's something incredibly rewarding in just giving. You know, we think self in us chases so hard to get what it wants, but yet it's so incredibly unfulfilling. I loved it on um, Friday, we were having the day off and I, I had easy in my arms. And I just had this moment where 
man, imagine if we hadn't had him. You know, we were tossing yeah. to and throw. Do we go for number three? And we're like, I just said this. Imagine if we hadn't made the decision to go for number three and we just wouldn't have this beautiful little life. And I was having this teary moment, this emotional moment, this beautiful little boy in my arms. And I said to you, man, babe, imagine if we didn't have this moment. You were like, I know, we'd probably be at the movies right now. <laughs> <laughs> But that's the reality of it. Like, it costs so much to build. Like, it costs so much to sow into others' lives. But it's so fulfilling and so meaningful. And it's what actually fulfills us the most. I actually love what Craig Lonsberg, who's a professor, a counsellor, and author says. He says, if I'm not a servant to others, by process of of elimination, I am then a servant to myself. And that serves no one. How incredibly powerful is that? Amazing. Amazing. I think the the last point that we've got is that there is strength in the secret. Strength in the secret. You know, I was thinking about an incredible woman in the Bible, um, and we may most of us would be familiar with her, Esther. You know, she's just she's phenomenal, right? Like the, her approach to what is really going to be a genocide moment, where God's people were going to be eradicated uh, simply because of their race and. Uh, you know, what was set up. I mean, for her, she was not trained. She was not prepared for the moment that she was going into. It's not like she had had a lot of time and Mordecai, you know, her her, uh, God-centered uncle had spent time with her preparing and all that kind of stuff. What the preparation she had had was literally just looking good and smelling amazing and being there for the service of the king. Like that was her preparation. But here she is placed in this opportunity where Mordecai says it, you were born for such a time as this. You know, who knows, we face some situations that are pretty overwhelming and pretty massive and pretty extraordinary. And we can say, my gosh, I don't know what to do here. I'm not prepared for this. I don't know. But yet in this moment, she takes a direct response to do what she could do. And she says, first, let's fast and pray. First, let's fast and pray. That was her first response. And then you notice she steps into this environment with increased wisdom, incredible favor, She goes in with a strength to lead the people around her. She goes in with a strategy that is far, like it's brilliant, the strategy, not only to get the freedom, but also to basically take out the baddies. Uh, You know, it's phenomenal, but her secret strength was in her ability to go straight to a source. Come on, that was far greater than just a natural king. She went to the king of kings, and all of a sudden she is now equipped to be able to outwork this situation. And I think it is a paramount response for all of us. Come on, if we're going to have strength, it comes from a secret place. Come on, it comes from not what everybody sees. It comes from what nobody sees. But it's the place where we get desperate to God and say, God, I need you. God, and we can all do this, right? We, we can all have this res- response, which is absolutely amazing. And I think for me, I guess a moment, uh, you know, as a teenager, I walked away from God and I did a lot of, you know, just what were, I guess, fun things and silly things at the time. And they weren't rebellious and crazy, but we always think that mum doesn't know. I now know that mum knows everything, right? (laughs) Everything I thought she didn't know I was doing, I'm very aware that she knew exactly what I was doing and where I was, but she never bailed me up. She never told me she was disappointed in my actions. She never treated me any different, but she just loved me. I get saved at 18, and then I'm at a church event about two years later, and my mum's there, and we live in different cities, so it was quite cool to be together. And then she opened her Bible, and she showed me two, um, two bookmarks, and she said, Craig, this one represented you, and this one represents your brother. All those years where you were off doing what 
you thought was great and what you thought was fulfilling, I just chose that every day I'd grab my Bible and I would pray for you and I'd believe that God still has a plan on your life. God still has a purpose. And the strength of my mum was in the secret. I never knew that. But if she hadn't prayed, if she hadn't gone to her secret place, then she wouldn't have had the strength to be, come on, confident around me, kind around me, say what needed to be said and say what didn't need to be said or not say And it was this amazing strength that I honestly felt this moment of, wow, how unbelievably strong are you, mum, in a moment that for me now as a parent, I would be doing everything I can to fix it. I would be at every party. There's no way my daughter would not be changed to my arm. There's no way that she wouldn't be wearing a jumpsuit. There's no way that my son, right? Like, I just, I'd be all over it. But the strength isn't in my ability. Come on, it's in the secret of his ability. And what he can do in those moments. And so good. And I, you know, I think we can be so hard on ourselves, you know, especially mums. Um, we can be so incredibly um, analytical of us and looking at all the things that we feel like we're doing wrong. And the truth is we, we make a lot of mistakes. We're humans. But I love that the one thing we can do right is that we can pray. And I just, the value of someone that prays, we will never know the reward of that. I think about my mum who, she said she had a neighbour up the road that would pray for the entire family. And now three out of an atheist family, three kids out of the five kids all now know Jesus and love Jesus. Man, the power of prayer, we will never know how much it extends until we get to eternity. And uh, I just, I think about my grandma too, who um, is one of my heroes. And if you don't know the story of my grandma, she... Um, when she was uh, in her late 20s, she was raped um, by a man who uh, was married with four kids, and he didn't want anything to do with her after that. And so as a byproduct of that rape, my dad was born, and he was born into an environment where a lot of people rejected him and turned their back on him, same with my grandma, until a Christian lady befriended grandma, and she found Jesus through that. But then her and dad, they went through a lot of hardships together. There was a lot of mistakes that grandma made as a mum. But I look back now and I still remember dad saying to me, man, it was when grandma passed away. I remember dad saying to me, man, there were some things that grandma didn't get right. But man, I loved her. And what she did for our family is that she was a woman that prayed. And because of her prayers... It changed the generations for our family. Yeah. And yes, she didn't get thing, everything right, but she's my hero because she stood in the gap for our family. Yeah. And she prayed like nobody else prayed. And I love that about my grandma today. And just an encouragement for us. That, man, we can feel like, man, we, sometimes we don't get things right, but what we can get right is we can go to our God and we can get on our knees and we can cry out for Him to intervene. And I love that about who our God is and how uh, what gets his attention is the rawness of who we are. It's true. In Luke 18, there's this passage that talks about Jesus shares this story about the Pharisee and the tax collector. And it says, to some who are confident in their own righteousness and look down on everyone else, Jesus told this parable. Two men went to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee stood by himself and prayed, God, I thank you. I'm not like other people, robbers, evildoers, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week and I give a tenth of all I get. But the tax collector stood at a distance. He would not even look up to heaven, but he beat his his breast and said, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. 
And Jesus said, I tell you that this man, rather than the other, went home justified before God. For all those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. And I just love that about the nature of our God. I love that about who He is. And if you find yourself in a place here this morning where you've never able to, to be real with God yourself, real with your need of Him, Craig said it before, but we are all designed to know a creator. If we look at ourselves in the mirror, we are so uniquely and beautifully designed. There's got to be a reason behind it. I was even talking to Zion's teacher this week, and you know she was just having um, a bit of a cry about her mother passing away. And, and I said, heaven's got to be real. Otherwise, this earth doesn't make sense. Yeah. There's got to be more wow. to what we see with our natural eye. Otherwise, yeah. it just does not make sense. And if you're in this place today and you haven't been real about that question of eternity or real about, man, God, I need you. And he simply just wants you to be real with him. It's about relationship. It's not about doing a religion. It's not about joining a church. It's not about saying, hey, I now need to fill all this criteria. It's having a heart response to Jesus and saying, God, man, if you're real, if you're out there, I want to know you. Come on, it's worth giving him a shot. It's worth opening up your life to him and saying, hey, God, I want to personally know you. Because that's why Jesus came and he died on the cross for us. It wasn't to fill a religious obligation. It was so that we could come to him just as we are and there would be this personal connection between us and God. And that as we have that personal connection, that through him, our wrongs would be made right because it's now him in us. It's not us just trying to make it work on our own. We hope you enjoyed this podcast from Life. If you have any questions or want to contact someone about this message, visit lifeau.org.